You're listening to the Bird Dog Babe Podcast with my mom, Courtney Bastion. This podcast is sponsored by Purina Proplan, Boss Shot Shells, and Onyx Hunt. And this episode is brought to you by the Bird Dog E Academy. I'm just so defeated in that, like, A, I have just ruined my dad's gun. B, like, I, I could have been responsible for really hurting someone. Um, and three, like, I am new to hunting and now I have this tainted experience. And so we get back to the truck after this, like, really shitty day. And uh, one of the hunters is like, you know, if I would have known your level, I wouldn't have taken you on this varsity level hunt. And I'm like, that is a message that I never want to lose track of. Like, just because then I spent an entire season trying to recover from that one incident. The Bird Dog E Academy offers online bird dog training courses designed to help you train your dog on your own from the comfort of your home to build a better bird dog. The Reliable Retrieve course starts Sunday, April 3rd. It is an eight-week course which shares the path of four different dogs. Because each dog is different, they don't react the same using one single method. Once you sign up, you join a community and share videos of you and your dog's journey through the course. You're provided support 24-7 and have live Q&A sessions every Wednesday night. You will learn to recognize and decide which pressure, if any, is necessary for your dog. There is no ear pinching or pain inflicted on dogs in this course. This is one that sets a solid foundation with constant emphasis on consistency, confidence, and calmness. This course is only offered twice a year, and this will be the final offering until 2023. The course is $350, which includes the kit with all items you will need, and you'll have access to the course for six months because sometimes life gets in the way. Dogs must be at least six months old and will be at an advantage if they already understand sit-in-place commands. Anyone around the world can sign up. Class starts April 3rd. Go to birddogeacademy.com to get registered. Patreon patrons tonight, Thursday, March 24th at 8.30 Central Standard Time, Fred Bohm of Sage and Breaker joins us to demonstrate how to properly clean and maintain your shotgun and answer all of our questions on the best methods to protect your investment. To join, go to patreon.com forward slash the bird dog babe. And about that investment, thank you to partner Siren, Shotguns for Women. I had shooting lessons this last week with Tracy Wright of Dark Horse Shooting in Spokane, Washington. He is the absolute best and the reason I drive eight hours round trip once a month. It's a great feeling when your instructor's first comment is, that gun fits you perfectly. I bought my Siren 20 gauge Tempio Lite two years ago and it fit perfectly right out of the box. No extra expenses of cutting down the stock or purchasing additional accessories. Go to SirenUSA.com to view the only full line of women's shotguns. Thanks to my partners over at Dakota 283, I picked up five new Cooney Cooney pigs and I'm so very grateful that I had G3 Dakota 283 kennels to get them securely and safely to my house. But that bit of an additional price for the Dakota Guard option really came in handy. Dakota Guard is added right into the mold at production. It's effective against MRSA, Salmonella, Listeria, E. coli, Staphylococcus, and dozens of other dangerous organisms. 
Find out more at dakota283.com and take advantage of a 10% off discount with promo code BIRDDOGBABE. My guest today is Amanda Ponte. Amanda shares her story of how her German short hair pointer and German wire haired pointer, along with some welcoming men, started her on a journey into upland hunting. She shares some hard lessons learned on that journey, what she's doing now to help other women get started, and how conservation efforts have become an integral part of the journey for her. All right, let's get after it. All right, welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks for having me, Courtney. I'm excited to be here. I'm pretty stoked to have you. We had a really good time at Pheasant Fest this last weekend, didn't we? We did. It was a great time. Let's get into that a little bit later on here. But first, I am really curious. So there's there's some things I know about you and some things I don't know about you. So I would really like to know if you grew up hunting at all or if this came on later in life for you. Sure. Uh, so I did not grow up hunting. Uh, my dad and brother both were waterfowl hunters um, and deer hunters. I uh, was not invited into the cool kids club. Um, mm. My dad is, was very um, old fashioned and that that just wasn't a place for girls to be. Yeah. Um, and he has since passed. So I can't, I can't rub that in his face that I have uh, made my way into that world despite him. So um, no hard feelings there, but my friend and I took a hunter safety class when I was in eighth grade. I had big plans to like get drawn for a deer tag never happened for me. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't really out there to hunt birds, but, uh, we did have two labs and they were doing it every weekend. So, uh, it looked fun, but it wasn't something that I got the opportunity to do. I actually became a hunter because I got a German short hair pointer. She's bouncing around the room. So you might see her from time to time, but that's <laughs> funny. And so, uh, I will uh, sort of jump into why I have Bentley and that will help understand how I became. Yeah. So how and why did you get a short hair? How did that come into life? Yeah. So she is the reason I am a hunter. Uh, the reason I got into the field. So in 2016, I experienced a house fire and it was just like a really bummer of a year after that, trying to put back together the pieces of life and uh, mm. spend a bunch of time with contractors working to get rebuilt and sort of like taking on the role of like trying to find some normalcy. Um, in doing this, I decided I needed a dog and I really wasn't sure what I was after. Uh, I didn't sit down and was like, oh, I'm going to get a bird dog. I was like scrolling Pinterest and was like, oh, these pit bull puppies are really cute. And my mom is terrified of dogs. <laughs> and she was like, absolutely not. And so I found a picture on Pinterest of this liver German short hair pointer and I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to my friend at the time, Dominic. And I was like, listen, I need one of these dogs, like find me <laughs> one of these dogs. And so he did some research for me and pointed me in the direction of a kennel in Boise, Idaho. they like make you fill out a form of like all of your hunting experience. I'm going to out myself for the first time and say, I did some great lying um, and was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm an avid hunter. Like sell me this dog, uh, which is probably how I got myself into a lot of trouble, not sure. knowing what I was signing myself up for. <laughs> so, uh, I put this deposit down on a puppy. I don't have a house. I'm living in a rental waiting for my new house to show up. And, uh, everyone thinks I'm insane. And so <laughs> I drive to Boise in October in the middle of the night. Uh, the breeder sends me like a message that's like, Hey, we're going goose hunting. So you can grab her at 4am or you can grab her at like 3pm when we get back. And I'm thinking, you know, I have a six hour drive home. So I'm picking her up at 4am. 
So I pick up right. this little puppy in the dark. I am set on having her ride in a crate in the backseat of my Camry. Like this is how unprepared I am for hunting life. And she whines for like the first 20 minutes. I put her in the front seat and we drive <laughs> home. So that's at least the- you arrived with a crate though. Like that's a big thing because I feel like a lot of people don't arrive with the crate. So kudos yeah, to you. Yeah, that was my first mistake. That's that's where I started to get into trouble. Uh, so I had Bentley and uh, she really inspired me to, to like get outside and be more healthy. And there was a, um, a NAVDA testing requirement from the breeder who thought I was some avid hunter. Um, I'm friends with her. So if she listens to the podcast, it's not going to be a big deal, but, uh, I still don't think to this day, she knows that, uh, that was not, that you lied. Honest, but, um, yeah, so uh, I have this German short hair who has way more energy than I will ever have. Um, I'm like being the helicopter parent out in the field, like holding onto the leash, uh, like making her run with a hundred yard leash. Cause I'm just terrified. She's going to run off. It's horrible. And so I was like, you know, this dog was bred for a purpose and I signed up for that without knowing. So better put her in a field and see what happens. Um, we did do a nap to test. We got a, a 96 prize three in our natural ability test. Yeah. Um, my dog had never seen a live bird before that test. So, uh, no way. That, yeah. That's I, pretty great. Yeah. You know, I, I just was like, it's natural ability. Like there's people train for this. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely naive, uh, back then and, um, decided to start like attending some women's hunting, um, like pheasant preserve stuff really liked it. Uh, of course they had access to some guns that, uh, my dad had left. And so, uh, took up some shooting, which I super duper enjoy and, uh, just sort of got emerged into the hunting world. Um, and then, uh, a friend of mine who, um, hunts like all the time, uh, the joke was like, if you wanted to spend time with them, you needed to be in the field. So it was like a ploy to, to get some one-on-one time and um, join the crew. And I've, I've been really lucky to have a lot of great influences in the hunting world and a lot of mentors uh, help me get out there and figure it out as an adult. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I shot my first bird at like 27, 26, 27. So definitely um, that's awesome. a steep learning curve for me. And sure. Yeah. It's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up now for the world. So yeah. So give me a frame of time here. So how old is Bentley now? Uh, Bentley will be five this year. Okay. So you started actually hunting five years ago or like four? Yeah. Like four, four or five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bentley spent her entire first year of life, um, chewing up everything in sight, uh, not, not limiting herself to my brand new Toyota Tundra. Uh, I told you that story. At you did tell me that this weekend. And uh, sleeping in a crate inside of my car in the garage because that that is how unprepared I was for the amount of inter- energy that comes out of a short air. Um, which is like a lessons learned. Don't lie to someone about how much experience you have with a dog because it just haunts you for the rest you of were. your life. <laughs> oh, so, do you no, think Billy, she would not have sold you the puppy if you hadn't hunted? Oh, 100% no. Okay. Yeah. I would have, I would have had to find a different breeder, a non like Mm -hmm. hunting home breeder. Yeah. So when you got her, tried to talk me out of it, which in hindsight may not have been the worst thing in the world, (laughs) (laughs) but I love Bentley and I love having her. So 
so when you got her, did you crate her or did you let her roam free? What, what kind of, did you have any structure in her life or what? Tell me about that. Yeah. So I, uh, I created her often, um, mostly for my own peace of mind. Um, she like still five years in is a very whiny dog, um, and has a lot of like separation or like just clinginess. Mm -hmm. Um, so she, she was supposed to sleep in a crate at night. I had a crate next to my bed, all prepared. And I was like doing the thing where, you know, you like roll over every hour. Cause she's just incessantly whining and sprayer in the face of the water bottle, um, to no avail. Like she just mm-hmm. was relentless. So she did, uh, she learned to sleep in a crate in the car, in the garage every night for her, the first year of her life. And then after like one year, uh, I left her home alone one day in the house and she didn't tear anything up. And then it was like, slowly, it just became better. And now she is a reliable in-house dog by herself, low maintenance. Wow. Um, the whining has not gone away. She's an incessant whiner. So you put her in the truck and she just whines, um, even okay. if she's in the back seat or in the kennel in the back, uh, she's a whiner, but very vocal. This um, is this is great for people to listen to knowing like my naughty short hair puppy will mellow out at five years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, maybe, maybe not. They're all different, but at least there's hope, right? Oh, you know, and I have seen people who are big short hair fans who get a puppy and they don't have nearly the problem. So, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's definitely worth knowing what you're getting yourself into. Um, but yeah, so she's, uh, she's a good time. <laughs> she's definitely and, like, she is a byproduct of my first dog, right? Like, I think that there is something to be said about, um, someone's first dog and just like the, the need to make sure that she is coddled and loved and also holding her accountable to her actions and getting her to do what I say. And she's better now. Like she will walk on a leash, like a normal dog. And, um, will listen 95% of the time without an e-caller. Uh, but she has a really good ability to flip me the middle finger and in, in the field and blow up all my birds for me. So we're working on rem- it. <laughs> Do you remember with her natural ability test, where did she get dinged in? Was it uh, in the field, the water, the, the track, the track, we had a horrible track. We could have got a prize too. Um, and she tracked fine the night before we went out and, uh, used a bird and, and, uh, she did great. It was a perfect track. And then the day of the test, I think the, just, she, um, saw these chucker in the field portion and it was like something inside of her, uh, lit up and she was like, oh, this is a game I want to play and swam through a canal and was chasing the chucker in the cow pasture next door. So, um, they were track. uh, No, during her field her field to the field. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I think that like just adrenaline rush did not calm down for the track portion. And all she wanted was that bird in her mouth and she was not going to track to it. She was just going to run until she found it. I don't blame her. (laughs) So yeah, it's a little bit of a disaster. The judges were very nice. Um, I, I love NAFTA as an organization, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely um, not what I expected. It's it's a very exciting time, Amanda, when you when you find out what you're supposed to do with your life in this world, and that's <laughs> what happened to her. She's like, "This is what I'm meant to do," and and that that discovery for a dog or anybody, a human, it's a very exciting thing to know what you were on this earth to do. 
Yeah, I think it's- zero out of 10, <laughs> I recommend uh, going to an average test without ever showing your bird, a do- uh, your dog a bird. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that as a training strategy for anyone. It's not, it does not bode well. No. They're like, so, can you call your dog, please? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. So much it's not working. I love it. I love it. So how, like how soon after, because you, you got a German wire hair pointer after that. So happened, what made you decide, first of all, that you, that you want another dog <laughs> and, and this time to be a German wire hair pointer? Yeah. So I added Finney to the mix, uh, in early 2020. So, uh, two years ago, um, she was like a year and a half pre-trained dog. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't really after a second dog. I like, that was not on my radar. Um, I had spent the season before really like sort of finding myself in the field and, uh, settling into if this was going to be something I was going to do long-term or if it was just sort of like a, you know, a short little phase and really falling in love with hunting and being outside and watching the dogs work. And, uh, I had an opportunity through a friend who owned Finney as part of their breeding program, um, to take her and have her in the, in the off season of her having, uh, puppies. And so, um, it was really nice because she was already trained past that one year mark. You know, she's got good manners, um, trained by someone who, has had bird dogs their whole life and uh, really know what they were doing. So having Finney and comparing her to Bentley is a very different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably yeah, the short like, hair versus the wire hair, right? Yeah, yeah. Def- there are some very different personalities in them. Um, I always joke that like Bentley is silly and carefree and like Finney's here for business. Like she 1000% of the time is just like, ready to just mess things up so she's outside working at something who knows what it is but she's got Bentley riled up now so yeah so Finn is very serious uh she has like a very structured demeanor um I think for a whole year she she wouldn't sleep in my bed like she was just like no I'm a dog I belong on the floor and I had to break her of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so right um, yeah, she's, uh, she is definitely more mellow, but I think that comes in age as well. Um, and she, she spent a time, a, a good amount of time in her life with an avid hunter. And so she really knows the road life and, um, she knows what her purpose is and she's good at it. She has mm-hmm. uh, got a lot of trained talent and also natural ability. So she's a good dog. Okay. I love her. She is a <laughs> grumpy dog. Um, so she's, a little bit particular in who she'll allow around, but no problems yeah. for me. So. Yeah. And have you done any, um, training and testing with her then? Yeah. So Finn and I ran through, um, the versatile hunting dog federation, advanced hunting aptitude evaluation. Finn and I did okay. that together and that was a good learning experience. It's very different than the NAVD world. Um, their scoring system is different. Their expectations are different. And I, at that point, I hadn't trained a whole lot with her. Like she had been trained, but not by me. And we didn't really have a great rapport. So she did okay. She did as fine as I would have expected. I got to learn a lot. Our goal for this year is to get through the NAVDA UT. Uh, I really had that on my goal list for last year, but some life circumstances prevented that from happening. So that's on our list for the fall. And uh, we're working on that now. 
it's like awesome. a full-time job to train your bird dogs. Um, it absolutely is. Yeah. It, but she's, I mean, she's trainable. She wants to learn. And so, yeah, I have, I finished horse fetch or train retrieve with her last year. And really, I think the relationship that develops in that process is um, something that has helped us both learn what our roles are. So, so what are you, are you doing the same with Bentley? Are you going to take her through any no. advanced testing? No. Okay. No. no, Bentley is, um, she is my couch dog. She is my companion. Uh, I take her out on hunts every now and then when I have low expectations or I've already had a good day. And I, I know that I have to be fast because her, her steadiness is short and she likes to chase the birds. So you yeah. really have to watch your shots on her. It's not the mm-hmm. safest environment. So I don't let anyone else hunt behind her. And she, yeah, so I am, I'm going to do some work with pro trainer at the beginning of April. I've been graciously invited uh, up to Boise, Idaho to spend some time with Lone Sage bird dogs. Nice. And we're going to put together a training plan for Bentley to get her a little more steady. So I work good. on some, I have some good, good steadiness flow going with Finn. And I think it is easier for me to not get frustrated when training Finn because I feel like she picks it up faster. And so when I'm training Bentley, it frustrates me very quickly. And then she doesn't know what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so hoping to work through some of that with uh, the help from some others. I just returned home from a Labrador Retriever specialty in California. It's not often that I get the opportunity to spend a week with 135 Labradors. So what's a biology nerd to do than take advantage of that large control group and do some research? Purina does a lot of research on palatability and digestibility. They want to be sure that dogs not only love the food, but that they utilize what they're eating. Each ingredient in ProPlan serves a purpose. The ProPlan Sport 3020 formula is over 90% digestible. There's not a food on the market like it. But I wanted to put that to the test. I took photos of many stool samples, noted which brand the dog is fed, and if they have any supplements. When I get a chance to sit down and compile the info, I will share the results, so stay tuned. Oh, and if you're going to the Ducks Unlimited Expo at Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, April 8th to the 10th, Be sure to stop by the ProPlan booth and say hi. Our team would love to talk to you about a formula that's right for your dog. Find out more at Purina.com. So let's put you on the map. You're in, where in California are you? Yeah, so I'm in the northeastern corner of uh, California in Modoc County, right on the Oregon and Nevada border. So okay, uh, right all the way at the top. So how far is it to your nearest NAVDA chapter? Uh, Four hours. Four hours. In, In either direction. And which chapters are those? Uh, Central Oregon, up in Bend, Oregon, and then um, NorCal is down. They they fluctuate around Corning area, so um, like north of Sacramento. Okay. And do you get too many training days? Is that something in the plans? Yeah, so I did get to a good amount of training days last year, uh, which was nice, up in, in Bend with my friend Katie. And so I uh, learned a lot there, which was nice. I think mm-hmm. they, they do a lot of focus on the NA tests and not so much on the utility tests, which is understandable. Um, they are going to put together some structured utility training days this year. So I plan to hit all of those as uh, I can. And um, yeah, I, I didn't sign up for the NorCal chapter until just recently. Um, and so I haven't done any training with them, but they look like they're a good group and they're, they're training through some stuff. So, yeah. 
what are, what are your hunting plans for this season? Do you have any trips planned? Yeah. So, uh, actually sort of mellowed out my season last year and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, I'm ready to like get back in it and, uh, rally. So I'm definitely coming up to women's grouse camp. Um, yeah, as soon as that's, (laughs) that's out as an option. I mean, if it's not an option, I'm coming up anyways, and we're going hunting. So, uh, get ready. Um, absolutely to take some time. So I have, I have this new remote job that allows me some locational freedom, uh, to sort of work anywhere the internet is. And so I, I'd like, which to- is not gross camp FYI. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have no intentions of working. I already have okay, my PTO for grouse camp. I'm like, I will not be available. I will be shooting Perfect. grouse in the woods. Thank you. Um, no, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to take some time in, uh, September, and just go head up to Montana area and poke around uh, before grouse camp and Excellent. do some after work and weekend hunting with the girls. So, um, cool. just, I, you know, I really, I spent last season focusing on hunting by myself and sort of figuring things out without the help of others. Um, just Good for you. Sort of recenter myself back to why I was out there mm-hmm. doing it. Um, because I lost a bit of that the season before. So I wanted to make sure that like, it was, it was going to be a positive thing for me. So, um, that's my goal this year. I also, I've, I've, uh, half committed to making my way out to New Mexico, um, to hang out with the ladies out there and shoot some scaled quail. So, um, Excellent. yeah, I want to do some traveling. You know, I have a bunch of hunting relatively close. Uh, if you're looking for like, I'm kidding. There's no birds here. Uh, there are no birds anywhere, <laughs> but, uh, no birds. <laughs> you know, so within a couple of hours, uh, there's some good chucker, uh, within like 30 minutes, there's great quail hunting. A lot of private land nice. here has great quail and I've been fortunate enough to get some good access. So, um, that's where I spent the majority of my hunting season last year was on private land following the quail around. I hope those of you that attended Pheasant Fest had a chance to stop over at the Boss Shot Shells booth and chat with Lee and his son Luke. Great guys, the best shotgun shells, and huge advocates for conservation. People that are passionate about what they do and doing good things for the birds, lands, and humans, those are my kind of people. Join me and many others that have gone 100% lead-free. Become a member at sportingleadfree.com and stock up on your Boss Shot Shells before season starts at bossshotshells.com. What kind of species have you been hunting already and which states have you traveled to? Sure. Yeah, so uh, I have hunted um, pheasants, valley quail, merns quail, scaled quail, gambles quail, uh, chucker, sharp tail grouse, sage grouse. Um, Hungarian partridge, and then uh, some ducks and geese. I will say that although I have hunted all of those species, I have not bagged all of those species. So Mm -hmm. um, I have yet to bag wild pheasant. I have been wild pheasant hunting um, and preserve pheasant hunting, which I, you know, that's a whole different world and uh, definitely. They're a wily beast. Yeah, definitely got my share of preserve pheasants, but uh, I'm after a wild rooster now. I have hunted in Oregon, California, uh, Montana, and Arizona. And so Arizona is where you find all those fancy quail. So I've hunted four merns and scaled quail um, down in Arizona, but didn't, had a terrible shotgun um, like malfunction while I was there on the road. 
and I couldn't get it to shoot more than one shot at a time. And it was like my fourth or fifth hunting trip. And I just wasn't that good. So I did get a gambles quail, um, which was fun and super great. And so it, it, but you know, anytime the dog gets to work on birds, I'm enjoying myself. So, um, yeah, yeah. But everything else I have successfully bagged and have eaten and enjoyed and, um, there it's, it's been a, a wild ride. That's quite a list of bird species for a short time of being a hunter. That's yeah. impressive. I mean, I, I owe it all to the great mentors really. Like I, I would not be in the position I am in now if I didn't have such awesome people, um, to invite me in and take me along and really teach me, uh, what it's like to be a hunter and what the bird dog world is like. So, um, yeah, that list is impressive, but not because I figured it out on my own it's because I've had some great people, uh, to tag yeah. along along the way. So what do you feel like has been maybe the, the biggest obstacle for you to overcome with the whole hunting thing? Yeah. So I think like biggest obstacle for sure is like trying to find good spots and understanding that. Right. So I work in healthcare. I do not work in conservation. Um, I don't understand a lot of like bird habitat. That is not something that I have spent a lot of time like learning as uh, a career or even a hobby. So I'm introducing myself into the hunting world and trying to really like pick up how to figure out where you are going to find birds, where you are allowed to find birds, um, like what, what sort of rules there are to follow. So like all mm-hmm. of that is very complex if you don't have someone who knows it well to help you learn. Right. Um, and, and especially this last season, like trying to do things more on my own. Um, I definitely leaned on some people pretty heavy for trying to figure out spots and just not like, Hey, can you send me a pen? So I know where your good spot is, but like, can you explain to me if I'm going to this area, what I am looking for? And how you find a good spot. Like it can't all be that you park your truck and you get out and you walk because let me tell you, that is not a successful way to find birds. That is luck. That is not, you know, there's, there's definitely some strategy to trying to figure out where the birds are going to be and uh, doing a lot of good scouting. And so I think even today, that is probably my biggest weakness is, is being able to identify habitat by myself. Yeah. But this last year you said you were doing a lot more solo hunting so do you feel like you have advanced your skills as far as identifying ideal habitat? And did you have success in taking some guesses and, and getting into birds? Yeah, I did. Um, I, you know, I got lucky in that I was provided a couple of good spots so I could really, you know, explained what I was after, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not after trying to find your greatest spot. I'm after trying to, to refine my passion for being out here. Um, and so I was, I was blessed with a couple of people willing to share some good spots, but also, um, I I think like if I could gauge myself on a scale of like zero to 10 on being able to identify habitat, like starting at zero, I'm probably at like four or five. So, uh, it's definitely getting better and I have more confidence in myself. And, um, my friend Beth and I went on a hunt this this winter and we sort of like looked, sat down and looked at spots. And I was like, I think this spot looks good. And she like flipped her phone around. She's like, this is exactly where I'm looking. And so, uh, we went out there, we walked, it looked great. It looked like great land, uh, didn't find anything. So I'm not there yet, but getting better. Well, it doesn't mean, yeah. I mean, knowing, having an idea of 
what the ideal habitat would be like is, is a big step of it. And it sounds like you, when you said you're sending pins, you use Onyx then. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And you're navigating that. Okay. Uh, yeah. For the most part, like, uh, still learning a lot. Like I need to spend some time figuring out Google earth and the sort of like ways that people use that for hunting. Um, mm-hmm. that's a goal on my list for this year. And then, yeah, just, I, I am sure that I could use Onyx better, but for its purposes, I'm using it just fine. Well, I'll give you a sneak peek is that at grouse camp, we get into a real deep dive of Onyx. So we're for, yeah, (laughs) it'll be good. There's some, there's some good, um, additions that they've made recently in layers. So yeah. And, and being 30 miles away from their, their home ship, um, they're going to come out here and, and get real, get real good into the education on, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Onyx stuff. So it'll be fun. Perfect. Onyx isn't just for hunting season. Take advantage of the many ways to utilize Onyx in the off season. I just used it this last week to locate some potential areas for shed hunting. I used to use it often in my real estate career to show potential home buyers the property lines and surrounding areas. And of course, it's never too early to start e-scouting. With the help of Onyx, I didn't hunt the same location twice last year, as I continued to discover additional hunting locations. Use the number one hunting GPS app. Get yours at onyxmaps.com. What has been, would you say, your most memorable hunt so far? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, like it's, it's really hard to limit it down to one. Right. Um, I find any hunt that the dogs are able to get on birds to be successful. Like, even if I'm not bagging a bird, that is what I'm out there for. I'm out there to watch the dogs connect with what they were bred to do and watching it is incredible. So this next story is a little funny, but I got the opportunity to go hunt some sage grouse out in Montana uh, the season before last. And we're like on day four or five of hunting, doing a bunch of walking, of course, you know, and uh, I am, I am not the most fit hunter, huntress on the planet. So Ditto. Um, I, I am like, <laughs> I will keep up for like an hour to two and a half hours in the morning. Like I say, like I'm good for four miles. And then I want a nap in the truck and then I'll go out for an afternoon. (laughs) I want the opportunity to sit in God's country and read my book and take a nap. Um, And so we're, we're a couple days into this great Montana hunt. We're having great success and it's really, it's been a great week and uh, we get the opportunity to find some sage grassland and we're out there and I am beat and my feet hurt and I am tired. And I think we have like four more days to go. And so I, we get, uh, we pick the dog that we're going to take, uh, we have, you know, six dogs in the truck and we're having a conversation about what dog we're going to take. And I'm like, we're taking the best one. Like this is, this is business, the sage grouse. So, uh, we unload, her name is blue. We unload her and she's on the tailgate and I like lift up her ear and I'm like petting her and I'm like, blue, I need you to find me a sage grouse within a hundred yards of the truck. And my friend who's hunting with me is like that's not like, that's not a thing, Amanda, like your expectations are not real. And I was just like, blue, don't listen to him. Like we're going to find a sage grouse and it's going to be close to the truck and I'm going to shoot it. And then we're going to come back to the truck and take a nap. And so, you know, I get, I get blue all prepped for this hunt and we head out 
and we're walking and we probably get like 150 yards from the truck and I am hunting with someone who is a great hunter and uh, they're coaching me through this and I'm watching Blue get birdie and I've, I've hunted over her enough times to know what she looks like and you know the adrenaline's racing and I'm like there are birds close like and uh, my friend who I'm with is like 10 seconds to business like be ready and I'm like I'm ready I'm ready and so Blue goes on point and it is like 10 steps to her, you know, we get caught up to her and this bird flushes, wild flushes, and it's this big sage grouse. And I am mm. so in awe of how beautiful it is that I don't even raise my gun. Yeah. And I just watch it fly away. And yeah. my friend is like, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> what happened? And I was like, why didn't you shoot? And they're like, I have, I have shot a ton of sage grouse. Like this is for you. And what the heck just happened I was like did you see that bird the bird was beautiful like that was amazing yes so they go on this big rant about how this is you know like this is not grouse hunting and now we're gonna have to walk a bunch of miles to find another one and like uh just pure disgust in my enjoyment (laughs) of watching this bird fly away and that is not the only time I have watched a bird fly away because I'm just awestruck by the beauty of it sure yeah. So we, we get out there another like 60 yards and blue goes on point again and it's the same bird and it gets up and it takes me two shots to knock it down, but she brings it back to me and I'm like, we're not like, oh, and, and after this bird flies away, uh, he's like, you literally asked the dog for a hundred yards from the truck. We are 200 yards from the truck. Like what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm just, I can't help but laugh because I like the enjoyment of seeing that bird fly was yeah. something I've never experienced before. And it's just, it's so amazing. It is amazing. And it's you just such a special feeling. And like, that's some, that's a day I'll never forget. Um, and so I did end up getting that, that sage grouse and putting it in the bag and following blue around, uh, nowhere near five miles. We were in a really great spot and, um, probably hiked maybe two more miles for my second one. And then, uh, sharp tail got up and I, I was like, so distracted by the like of course I have my limit of sage grass so I can't shoot another one and I'm just like what is that it's not a sage grass but I can't tell and uh and so I don't pull the trigger and and so uh I send them off to get their limit um while I just sit down in the bushes and stare at these birds and uh, take some pictures and just like really soak in the the moment so it was great it was memorable and so I just pluck a tail feather out of that bird and I sent it off to a tattoo artist in the San Francisco Bay area. And it is now tattooed on my rib cage. So and that's um, where, that's where that came from. That, that's yep, where this tattoo right. came from. So that tattoo is an exact replica of the tail feather out of my first sage grouse. That's and there's so cool. also right below it, um, a feather out of my first sharp tail grouse. So that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Can so, you, can you show us? So this only the Patreons get to see this yeah, video. I can, if I can remember what side it's on. It's on your right. I yeah. remember. <laughs> so. It was so funny at Pheasant Fest. I like stood up and like, if anybody has a bird tattoo. That's, oh, that's so cool. That's my feathers. So that's, that's so cool. Sharp tail so and the grouse. sage grouse. That's so cool. Amanda. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah that was funny. You, it's Pheasant Fest. <laughs> you lifted up the wrong side of your shirt. Oh wait. Nope. It's on the other side. Oh, the best part was that I was like, Katie, it's there, right? And she's like, no. 
I may I may just get a whole bunch more Patreons just coming just to see you lift up your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever it takes to get followers. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Um, yeah. <laughs> that uh it was it was really special and so I wanted to make sure that I did something to commemorate it and I love it um and and for the record it sounds like blue did go on point a hundred yards out from the truck the first time right uh it was like about 160 but it was close okay it was so close to the truck I it was you know I am a a big fan of like manifestation and like believing in what you ask for for and sure. it couldn't have been any more perfect. Like that's excellent. That, that, that hunt is not one I will ever forget. Yeah. So did you, were you able to clean and eat the bird like while you were still out there? Uh, or did you take it home? Any, any sage grouse while we were out there, we, we did, okay. um, to clean them and bring them home. And I, I ate them once I was home, but, uh, we did eat some sharp tail, which is delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, while we were out there. So staying in an Airbnb for a couple of days allowed us to do that. And then we were, when we were out with the sage grouse, we were staying at a hotel. So it didn't have a really great, I should say, okay. hotel. wasn't a hotel, hotel, motel, yeah. holiday in. Yeah. It was not all day. <laughs> you know, anytime we were like out trying to find good birds, uh, there frequently is not great hotels. Around, not at all. So. Yep. Exactly. Unless you're in Mitchell, South Dakota, and then they have the best hotels, but there's also lots of everybody where you hunt. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're dog friendly hotels, which is nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, did you like the sage grouse? I did. You know, I haven't eaten a bird I didn't like. So I know a lot of people have like strong feelings about different bird meats, but the fact that I get to to harvest and process it myself makes it special to me. And it is yeah. something I enjoy. Yeah. So were you told to, with sharp tail and the sage grouse to just do it really lightly? I mean, what, yeah. so you knew how to properly prepare it, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which freaks me out a little bit because I'm like the human that eats their steak medium well. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like looking at this bird that's not cooked all the way. And I'm like, oh gosh, but it tastes great. So I'll, yeah. I'll eat it like that. How did you prepare it? I'm, I'm curious. The sage grouse. Do you remember? Oh, I, I probably with some spices and butter in a pan. But like that okay. Is. That's perfect. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I like it. That's how I prepared most of my birds. Um, <laughs> except for quail. Like the quail is my favorite <laughs> bird to eat. Bentley. Oh <laughs> that's Finn. Finn is riled up. Was it? Yeah. I don't. They. I, they didn't get a run today because I was busy messing with my pigeons. And so, mm. um, they're, they need a run. Yeah. So quail, uh, I like to take the Valley quail and cut up the breast meat and put it in panko and fry it like little chicken nuggets, but quail nuggets. Ooh. And that is probably my favorite, favorite bird to eat that way. Interesting. I, I've only gotten my first quail this year. So if I can get into some more, I'm going to try that. Cause yeah, that's you can amazing. like sneak that to people. So my family are not, they're not big wild game eaters. Um, mm-hmm. and so I can, I can sneak it and convince them that it's chicken and they don't, <laughs> they don't know the difference. They're going to listen to this podcast and, and never <laughs> eat a chicken nugget I prepare again, but that's okay. More for me. <laughs> so you have, you have pigeons outside. You have I do. training birds. 
yeah, I have some training birds. Um, you know, when you run your first jog through NAVDA, uh, natural ability without a bird, you learn how valuable they are. So, uh, I've had pigeons for a couple of years now. I have a flock of about 30. Um, nice. they're awesome. They're fun. Uh, I think I, I work for a big corporation. So, um, there it's like a unique thing to me. I'm like sending teams updates about the baby pigeons and everyone is so enthralled <laughs> with just how ugly and cute they are. They are. They're super adorable. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you got? I heard you say something about ducks over the weekend too. Yeah, I have, uh, I have six ducks that are hanging out waiting to be used for some duck search training. So, um, how long have you had those around? I picked them up in the fall. Uh, from, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, a helper pick them up for me. And so they're, they've been hanging out since the fall earning, uh, way too much food that they don't deserve, but <laughs> Uh, they're going to serve their purpose one day soon and that will be sad for them. But. Do you know what breed they are? Are they mallards or ruins? I, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of mallards out there. Um, I, I think they might all be mallards actually. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't actually like, I, I know duck species, but, um, I, there's two that I can't even think of what they look like right now. That's, okay. and I was out there next to them today. So very, and they don't fly away. Do you keep them uh, clipped? They, they do. So they have a roof oh. on their pen, but it's the snow, like kind of took it out. And, uh, so they fly out and then they hang out with the chickens and then they fly back in when they're hungry. I don't know what they're barking at. Uh, the other night they were barking at this big Husky dog that was out there. Um, the other day, a red tail hawk tried to eat my chicken and Finney got like this weird razor back, like hair standing up on the back of her whole body. And she did this growl I've never heard before. And I was like, probably should go check that out. Um, so who knows what's out there. Oh, right man. Now. Hopefully nothing is out attacking my, my birds. <laughs> do you live in town or do you live on, on the outskirts? I live one mile from town on three acres okay. of property. Okay. So, so you can get away with having a whole bunch of cool birds and stuff. Yeah. Nice. And do you take your, do you take your homing pigeons off the property and train and then they come back? I do. Um, I have been running at, I've, I've been graciously allowed to train on some private land. that's about 10 miles outside of town. So it's about 15 miles from my house, um, just by like crow fly ish area. And they, they fly back successfully from there very well. Wow. That's really yeah. nice. It is nice. I'd like to find somewhere closer, but I live in a, a predominantly ranching town. And so a lot of cattle and not a lot of sagebrush training grounds. So, okay, cool. Um, let's talk about Pheasant Fest a little bit. Yeah. What a weekend. <laughs> it was, it was a super fun weekend. Have you ever been to one before? Or was that your first? That was my first. Uh, I've been okay. to a lot of pheasant, uh, forever activities. So, uh, the women's hunt that I I've spoken about is, uh, hosted by them. I've attended those, um, sponsoring a youth shooting team at a Pheasants Forever, um, event in Boulder city, Nevada, so excited about that. Definitely done um, just some interacting with the group um, of Pheasants Forever and, and really like their mission. And so when I saw the, the sort of like publication of the event, um, of course they didn't have one last year, but I was like, I, I'd really yeah. like to go to this. Um, and it, it was worth it. It definitely was worth it. Uh, it's on my calendar again for next year and I will, I will be there again. So <laughs> Yes. Minneapolis, February 17th and 19th. Be there. 
Yeah. So I, I sort of like walked into Pheasant Fest after a hectic day of plane delays and, uh, my friend Katie, who was meeting up with you and Katie, um, is sitting in this like VIP lounge area (laughs) of Pheasant Fest. And I take a seat on this couch and one of the gracious, uh, Pheasants Forever members convinces us to buy lifetime memberships and, you know, putting your money where your mouth is is really important to me. So, um, being a part of the hunting world and really supporting the things that I love the most, uh, is something that I am glad that I'm able to do. And so I think I was at Pheasant Fest all of like one hour before I was an official lifetime (laughs) Pheasant Forever member. That's awesome. Did they tell you like, in order to sit on these leather couches here, you ladies need to be lifetime members. Uh, they did say that. However, uh, <laughs> Katie has a knee injury. And so she's on crutches. And so she's, she's crutching around Pheasant Fest and they graciously allowed her to sit there for a couple of hours before she, she committed to it and then, uh, convinced me to commit to it as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely and, a great and, group. And I super duper encourage anyone who cares about hunting or, or conservation to get involved in any group. Like if Pheasants Forever is not your thing, there are a million other opportunities to help support the world. So, um, yeah. especially if you're, you know, out there utilizing the land and taking advantage of, of the programs that they support. So, uh, support, support what you love. That's definitely my plug for that. Mm-hmm. And also go to Pheasant Fest, even if you, are a little bit wary because it's a great time and you will meet some of the greatest people um, out there. So I've had a couple of Instagram friends I've been following around for a while and meeting them in person was better than I ever could have expected. And I am amazing. They will be lifelong friends. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. And you have not just a lifetime membership, but you have a couple $500 Yeti mugs with you as well. That yeah. Yeah. So um, I did my best to support, uh, pheasants forever with the, um, depth of my bank account this weekend. So, um, yeah, I, uh, you answered the call. You answered the call, the path to the uplands. Yes. The call of the uplands. Did you pick yes. up? It rang. I answered. I handed over all my money. And um, yeah, it, so they had these Yeti tumblers and I am a- addicted to Yeti. Um, and so you, if you bought this tumbler, you got, uh, it came with an elite membership to Onyx um, and it came with the opportunity at like a one in 100 chance at a fancy gun. Uh, I don't know what the gun was because I didn't win it. So um, but I did, I did come home with two, but she won a gun. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I came home with two Yeti cups and a Yeti cooler that I got as the, um, a gift for my lifetime donation. And we went to the banquet and we had a lot of fun and, you know, it was, it was a, you just extremely unfruitful event, um, except for, <laughs> We, 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 there's a, an opportunity at a shields table drawing for 10 guns, uh, for everyone at your table and you put in 20 bucks a piece and you get this opportunity to win 10 guns. And we sit down at the table and I'm telling everyone how I was 
you know, lucky enough to win two guns at the Ducks Unlimited dinner two weeks before and how we're, our table is going to win these guns. And I don't think anyone believed me. So they go get our table ticket and they bring back and they're like, here, you can touch it. No one else touches it but her. And we uh, tuck that into our little table table number holder. And as they were calling the numbers, uh, it just happened to be our table. And so I got to go get our certificates for our free guns, our tin free guns and hand them out to the table like Oprah. It was great. You did. You win a gun and you win a gun. (laughs) It was like winning something at one of those events should be the most exciting of like time of your your trip there and I just I didn't feel the excitement from as many people as I would have loved to and Mm -hmm. so we just had to be the loudest table and then they're like closing up the banquet on the stage like thanks everyone for the great year and and we're our table is still going wild we're still screaming we're still screaming yeah yeah that's right (laughs) about the time I got back with the certificate we may have cleared the entire room because when we did look around there was nobody else there because we were still screaming in excitement (laughs) yeah I mean it's not every day you get the opportunity to win 10 guns so I know the whole table won a gun it was pretty great. great and there was like I don't know I don't know exactly but I thought I had heard that there were 180 tables. Yeah, there. So they said there was 1,300 people at the banquet and 180 tables. And yeah, they gave away 10 $100 Shields gift cards um, after they gave out 10 guns, which was a poor move. Pheasant Fest gave out that prize first um, <laughs> because I have no idea what table won the $100 gift cards because we were too busy screaming about our guns. Way too loud. <laughs> So it was great. It was amazing. Uh, that was a great ending to the banquet after I had thrown a bunch of money at raffles. I didn't win anything out of. So except for Yeti cups, very expensive Yeti cups. So very expensive Yeti cups that held a, a good glass of wine. It was very yeah. great. Yeah. TSA actually like went through my bag, my checked bag on the way home, I think, because there were far too many Yeti cups stacked away in there. I got like the little paper notice that was like, your bag has been searched. So I was like, oh, you don't say. <laughs> there is gun residue. There is alcohol residue all over them. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, great time. That's funny. So before you went, like what, what actually enticed you to go, um, like what, what were you looking the most forward to? Yeah. So I was, uh, I set out to go to Pheasant Fest to make some connections with some like-minded individuals uh, that I either knew through the internet or didn't know at all, um, just in hopes of connecting with them and building a personal relationship so that uh, I could add them to my, you know, um, group of people to really just continue into this world of hunting. And um, I got to meet Hannah, who's a is into falconry and so I I hope to get the opportunity to chase her and her falcon around someday like just to open up some doors that wouldn't be open if I stayed in my small town over here so um I wanted to connect with people I wanted to build relationships um I went on a very top secret mission uh there that will come out on Instagram hopefully in a couple months um so it's a big big top secret um sort of uh, ask of an individual who makes a product and that's all I'll say about that yeah that's 
You're right. Okay. I'll stay mute. Yep. That's a very, that's a very good thing. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming to fruition as well for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was good. It was nice. I think I accomplished what I set out for and even more than I could have mm -hmm. even anticipated. Yeah. Did you get a chance to attend any of the seminars that they were putting on at the different stages? Yeah. So we did, uh, attend one on puppy training, which I found to be very fascinating. Uh, it was a panel of six, I think, uh, trainers and they were given different, um, takes on puppy training and dog training in general. And that is something, um, I think as like a a person with bird dogs, that's something I definitely want to grow around and, uh, become a better trainer. And so, that was fascinating and something I wanted to make sure to attend. And I learned a lot from that. And especially from being able to like, they let the group ask questions. And so just hearing the struggles of other people um, and getting feedback on what they would suggest was really helpful, I think. So uh, we definitely got around to that one. Um, We spent a lot of time connecting on on the floor. So uh, didn't make it to as many as I would have liked. Next year, I'm definitely going to carve out some more time for that. But Um, I was with a good group of women who like to visit with other people. And so we didn't move very fast, Courtney. (laughs) I know. I, you know what? And I'm still kind of itching my head over it. I'm like, how did we have three days? And then kind of in the aftermath of all of it, I'm noticing all the booths that we missed, all the people that were there that we didn't see. um, So many of the seminars that we just, that, that were planned, but we weren't able to get to. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it was so nice to be able to actually talk to people, but yeah. Um, yeah, we, Katie we and I were, were talking to a, group. a great human, um, at the Purina booth, uh, just as someone who had stopped by, not, not even one of the workers who was really talking to us about some great great content of stuff uh, around hunting. And I like looked at our watch and I'm like, Katie, we have two minutes to make it upstairs to the women's luncheon. Like, I'm sorry, we have to be rude. We have to go. And I felt like that was, that was like the, the whole weekend was just great connections with great human beings and then needing to be somewhere, um, for an event that we had, had already marked out. So, uh, the women's luncheon was amazing. It was phenomenal. There are some was. great women doing amazing things for pheasants forever and quail forever. And so, um, yeah, that was inspiring. If nothing else, you get to pheasant fest and you don't attend the rally or the banquet, spend your money on that. So, um, and the women on the wing lunch. Luncheon. Yeah. Yeah. It was phenomenal food. Um, they had some like turkey noodle soup and quail wrapped in bacon and, um, I don't remember what was in those lettuce wraps, but they were good. And so, and then you just got to hear from some really inspirational women doing, doing the hard work out there. So, um, Mm -hmm. if you are a female at Pheasant Fest next year, sign up for that. Yeah. It was a very good time. What's your take on, I'm just curious. Um, you know, some people say like having these women exclusive events or, um, that, there's a little bit of controversy around it of why do women feel the need to have special events for themselves? What's your feeling on that and your experience in some of the several women events that you've attended? Yeah. So I think women events are important, um, because there's not a lot of, I have heard, I have not experienced. So I will say, say that I have heard there's 
not a lot of opportunity for women to get into the field. And so really, if you don't have a friend or a boyfriend or a husband or a dad or an uncle, you know, who is in the game, uh, willing to let you tag along, it is very hard to find an outside resource to pull you in. And so Mm -hmm. I have been blessed in my life with some great men hunters um, who have allowed me to tag along and be part of the party and really learn from them. And so I haven't experienced that, but I've heard stories like that from other people, um, which really makes me feel so fortunate for what I have been able to, you know, be included in. And so I think women events are important for that, right? So if you're just out there on your own trying to figure it out and you don't have, you know, a mentor to sort of lead you, um, it, it, allows you the ability to get that from people who care about bringing women into the, into the hunting world. And so, um, I attend hunting like women hunting events to learn just as much as I do to try and be a resource for other women. So, um, I went to the women's pheasant hunt down South, not because I needed to hunt pheasants, uh, in a controlled environment, but because I wanted to be there and support an event that I cared about. And so I think I, I got partnered with a, a waterfowl hunter who had never been an upland hunter before, really just didn't have any opportunity to upland hunt. Uh, her husband was a waterfowl hunter and being able to sort of like, of course there are, are male guides there who have dogs and there are people there supporting the women, but to just sort of like share my knowledge with her as we were out in the field with these, you know, very trained dogs, um, in a controlled environment and just be like, you know, if you look at the dog now, you can tell that they're onto something. And, um, like if you watch this next field over, you'll see that that dog, you know, has bumped two birds already. And so the chances of one of those birds flying over here for our dogs to find, like, we should watch where that, that bird lands and try and send our dogs towards it. And so just sort of like guiding them on things that I, I have, I am observant of because I have been afforded the opportunity to learn. And so I think there definitely is a place for women and women only events. I do know that a lot of those are led by men. And so I want to make sure that the appreciation for their time and energy to help women get into the world is, uh, is definitely acknowledged, but yeah, I think it's important. And if there gets to be a point where there are enough women to continue to teach women, that's amazing. But yeah, right. I, I think it's, it's definitely a learning curve if you don't have a resource. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you and I are on the same boat, you know, we're kind of brought into and mentored into the space, um, with really helpful men that wanted to get you into that, see you succeed. Um, and I think it's really cool that you're kind of taking that initiative to, to pass it on. So, yeah. you know, if I can influence one person's life as much as my life has been influenced in the hunting world, like that would be successful to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I try and spend a lot of my like time and energy on getting young women in the field. Um, our local high school has a shooting team with one female on it. And so I've gone to some practices to sort of support her and, um, took her out on a youth hunt, let her use Finney and and so she's super impressed. And, you know, we get home from this youth hunt and she's like, mom, I need a bird dog. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think, I think the bug has definitely bit her and, uh, she will, she will be in it for the long run. And so just continuing to encourage people, you know, that there, although there are plenty of, you know, negative comments about women in the field and I get my fair share of like, oh, is that your husband's truck or, 
you know, if you drive that, what's your husband drive? And so that is not, it's never landed well with me and normally get a sarcastic comment back. Like, I don't know, I haven't met him yet. Um, (laughs) because it's just, it's unnecessary. And so if, if you find the dudes that are making comments like that, they're not the dudes for you. Um, and keep looking because there are, there is a group of men out there who care about getting women into the field, um, in, in a passionate way. And they, they're great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're also getting more interested, um, you are, I shouldn't say getting more, but you're very interested. like you said earlier on the conservation side of things and you applied to be a commissioner recently. Yeah. So not exactly commissioner. I'll explain that a little bit. So the Modoc County fish and game commissioner board had an opening for a secretary treasurer and they put on a bunch of youth events in my town and they do a bunch of conservation work and making decisions at the level that they're able to. Um, and the position pays literally nothing. It's like a hundred dollars a month or something for a bunch of work. And, uh, I saw the, uh, the, the job fly and I was, I, I mean, I have a career, so I definitely don't need another one or any sort of side hustle, but, um, I saw this fly and I was like, I, this is something I can get behind and I have the skill set um, to be productive in, in the role that they need someone to, and maybe that leads to a bigger role. And I went to this great interview with uh, two, two of the commissioners on the board, and uh, I presented this very fancy healthcare executive resume and sat down to this interview, and they were like, cool, why do you care about hunting? And I was like, oh, let me tell you about my bird dogs. And so <laughs> they were like, we think you're going to be the best fit for this role. Like, we're so That's excited. Awesome. So yeah, I get to join that at the end of this month and be their, their secretary treasurer and keep them on track. And uh, hopefully be a voice for some new ideas that they uh, will adopt and, and sort of uh, move, move the commission into a more, um, I won't say like young age, but just uh, yeah. there, there's some um, definitely some, some seasoned men in that group and they, uh, they're excited for a new voice. So a new younger voice. That's super and exciting. It's coming from a female. So they, <laughs> they went on both sides of that for getting people involved. Yeah. Is it, is that a term position or what is, how does that work? No. So it's a, it's an appointed position. So I'm in there until they throw me out, I guess. Okay. Are you the only female on the board then? Um, I I know there are, I think there are two or three other females. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. What are some of the duties that you're going to have with that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm basically, my job is to keep them organized. So I'll be structuring all of their meetings, uh, keeping track of that for regulatory compliance and then, uh, paying all their bills and helping them budget for their events, their youth events. And that, that youth event, uh, that I took the young lady to, um, is one that they have sponsored. So it's amazing how it all comes kind of hand in hand and is relatable to each other. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, you have to care about the environment the birds are living in if you want to go chase the birds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, they're they're an interesting group, and I I can't wait to spend <laughs> more time with them and uh, do some great things with that that platform. Fun. So, something else that I've learned about you. Um, there's a couple gals kind of in my life right now that are super keen on the color pink. And 
and are like, when I hunt, I want to have the pink. And, you know, we, we've kind of gone through this phase where some women are like, I don't even want to do the pink it and shrink it. Right. Because when women became kind of a growing demographic and hunting, yeah. some of the stuff started just making things smaller and making them pink. And so I feel like there's still some bitterness in some of the women that we're going through that time where they don't want to see anything pink. They don't want anything smaller. And then I have some like people like you and some of these other badass women that are like, I want to be out there hunting and I want to wear the pink and I want all the pink things. So tell me a little bit about how that is relatable to you and, and why that's, why that's something you really like. Yeah. So pink is my obsession. It is my color. Uh, you will not frequently find me in a bird field without some pink on. I have big dreams of dipping a shotgun in pink so I can be like <laughs> Ethan and, um, be, you know, the girl with the pink gun. And so, uh, I, it's sort of, it sort of kicked itself off in that, like being pink in the field is like a negative thing for women. Like if you are, someone who embraces the pink world of hunting, uh, you are lesser than a normal hunter or like you, you're not as serious or, um, and so I really, I wanted to shift the narrative there and I got a pink, uh, ruffle and kennel and added a second one and, um, really just started to shake up the amount of gear that I had in pink. Um, I have some very fancy pink pigeon training bags that are custom made with my last name on them. Um, you, yeah, you will find me in, in some form of pink, uh, in the field. My, my dogs both wear pink car collars. Um, so it was, I love it. you know, there's just this, like, of course, like the shrink it and, and pink it movement, um, that doesn't work for me. Nothing shrunk will fit me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a small size. So, uh, that, that is not a concept that I'm willing to accept, um, I do have some limits and I do not own any pink camouflage. Um, that's where I draw the line, but <laughs> anything else pink, I am, I'm happy to rally in. And so it, I think it just like, it's part of this, like, let's get women in, into the world of hunting and let's get them in a, in a way that makes them comfortable. And if you are a female in the field and you feel comfortable in a fluorescent pink shirt, why can't you wear that? Why does it have to be orange? Right. And so um, just sort of like trying to shift the narrative on that and just being like pink makes me comfortable and pink makes me happy and I want to hunt in it and I don't I don't care what you think and so uh, really embrace that I mean I've I've wrapped my um, Garmin handheld in pink duct tape so it is pink <laughs> um, just really as much pink as I can possibly find is yeah. what you will see me in so um, and I that's do, great like, I, I, uh, eventually will get a different truck and I'm going to get some pink pinstriping done. So I'm committed <laughs> to the pink lifestyle. I, I, I was just waiting for you said new truck. And before you said pink pinstriping, I was like, it's going to be a bright pink truck. It's going to yeah, be a I would bright that, pink like, Toyota Tundra, like, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some weird like Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> so, uh, I have, I have a person who's ready to pink pinstripe my next truck. So <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm all about embracing of what, whatever it is, you know, if it, if it's a color, if it's a, a piece of apparel, if it's a, whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable and confident out there, then by God do it. And it, right. you know, even the whole thing of, 
uh, if you wear makeup when you hunt, or if you have your hair down when you hunt, you're just doing it. It's like, who cares? You do you go out there, do your thing, whatever makes you feel good and awesome and do it. That's fine. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's just so much like putting people down for the choices that they make that make them feel better. Like I, I don't want to be a part of that. And so like, if you, if you want to hunt in lime green, I'm here for it. Like if you want to hunt in your tennis shoes, like I'm here for it. Uh, as long as you're being safe, do what makes you feel comfortable in the field. And so, um, yeah, pink, pink makes me happy. And, uh, I, I, I'm embracing Go girl. It. Go girl. Yeah. I mean, or you can do what I did and put the word babe at the end of the name of your podcast. And then that, that brings into a very similar kind of worms. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. You know, if you, only you we couldn't just, everyone. you can't, you know, and it's like, if you could just support each other because we are a community and, um, instead of being against each other, it'd be so super cool. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like, if I'm throwing makeup on before I'm going in the field, it's not because I'm doing it to impress anyone. It's, you know, because it makes me feel better. Um, not that I frequently hunt in makeup, but there's no problem if you do. Um, like whatever is making you comfortable doing what you find happiness in, like do that because the world has enough negativity. Amen, sister. I love that. Let's, let's do a, um, a little lightning round. Are you good for it? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Let's do it. What is your favorite piece of gear? Yeah. So I hunt in, um, old Navy leggings, which is not my favorite piece of gear, but they are the most comfortable. Uh, I don't like field pants. So because of that, I have a very nice pair of gaiters. Um, I do not know what brand they are. That is my favorite gear. You will not see me leave home without my gaiters. Um, I don't care what, what season, weather, habitat I'm hunting in, I'm throwing on a pair of waders over small Navy leggings. So what kind of gators, what brand of gators do you have? Uh, I'm not sure. I got them in okay. Sportsman's warehouse. I couldn't, I should have pulled them out. So I could have told you, but you should, you should tell me. And then, um, I'll note that I, my only pair of gators I got on Amazon for super cheap. So, and they, yeah, you no, know what, they do the job and I love them, but I'm curious what other gators people use. Yeah. I won a gift card for sportsman's at a woman's hunt and I bought the gators from sportsman. So nice. Awesome. What is your favorite hunting snack? Oh yes. Um, I, I should have told the story of Finney and I's, uh, hunt, but, um, Finn and I both have a love for Walmart fruit snacks, the smiley (laughs) brand, nothing else will do. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Tell me more. The, uh, they're the great value brand of fruit snacks at your local Walmart. I think they're like $6 for a box of 100. Um, you will not find my hunting pack without them. And anytime, uh, I need a little quick snack, I will snack on them. And Finney happens to enjoy them as well. And I only (laughs) let her have them when we're out in the field. So perfect. That's her special hunting snack too. It is. It is. And there's a, there's a funny checker story where we're sitting down eating fruit snacks. Um, and I need to hear it. Yeah. And then we stand, so we get, we get to this big covey of, uh, chucker and I'm like 60 yards away from her and she's on point. And so I'm trying to hustle over to her, which is an impossible task in, in chucker country. And I'm just like, please hold, please hold, please hold. Like, I don't know what's there. It might be a (laughs) rabbit, but cause I can't see her where I'm at. And I get over to her and we bust a covey of like 40 chucker, which is no way. 
it was incredible. Another one of those, you know, like I just watched them fly away and, uh, we hit like two more points and I missed. And I'm just like, we, both of us are too rallied up right now. Like we need to take a break. And so I pull my pack off and sit down on the side of this mountain with Finney and I, you know, give her some water and get her to lay down so she can catch her breath. And we're both sitting there eating our fruit snacks. And, uh, we sit down for like 15 minutes and, I no sooner stand up and let her go snap my pack back together. And she is on point, like literally 20 feet from where I'm at on a chucker that had hung out there the entire time we had sat there eating fruit snacks. And I, <laughs> he was waiting for thing. your fruit <laughs> Yeah. I smacked that thing. And I have, I have a picture of it up on the wall up there. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a definitely a hunt to remember. So yeah, get yourself That's some awesome. Walmart fruit snacks. Um, the chucker don't mind the sound of them opening. So. <laughs> That's so great. What is your favorite uh, Upland game bird recipe? Yeah, uh, definitely quail nuggets. I will the make quail nuggets. quail nuggets all the time. And that's Give with me panko, all the quail right? Nuggets. Huh? <laughs> I love that. That's with the panko? Yes. Yeah, with panko. And then just fry them like chicken nuggets. Give me all the quail nuggets. Yeah. Get yourself some homemade ranch and you are set. Mm, that sounds amazing. You could put them over a salad, but I know that's not your thing. That's definitely not my thing. You just ruined that. My whole image. Yeah. Just a make green some French salad fries in there. Skip the okay. salad. Make them with French fries. <laughs> shotgun. Tell me about what shotgun you're using. Yeah. So I shoot a Beretta A400 Extreme 12 gauge. Um, it gets the job done for me. I am looking to convert to a 20 gauge probably next year. Um, definitely want to try out some new guns before I make that purchase, but it, it has not let me down. Uh, I started hunting with a Remington 1187. That was my dad's, um, it's heavy, it's, you know, so hard to pack around. Um, it definitely had its issues for being an older gun. And then I, uh, I blew the barrel off the end of it. And so I had to, um, I had to get a new gun. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, and now you're, now you have, um, a new 12 gauge, uh, I do. Um, uh, yes, I do. I have a uh, legacy pointer 12 gauge coming from, uh, pheasants forever. And I have an 870 coming from the ducks unlimited banquet. So incredible. What was the other one you wanted? The ducks unlimited. It was a handgun. Your handgun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're ready to go girl. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. We got to get a 20 gauge in your hand. Yeah. I got to get a 20 gauge over and under my sister won a 410, um, at the ducks unlimited banquet. So I told her that I'm going to borrow that for some dog. Nice. Does your sister hunt at all? No. Mm -mm. Can you get her to hunt? Can you talk her into going with you at like walking with you at least? I don't know that it would be safe for the two of us to carry guns in a field together. <laughs> if one of us didn't have a gun, it might be safer. So maybe someday we'll see. And, and you said your brother hunted. So have you ever hunted with him? Yeah. My brother is an avid bow hunter. And so, um, he, he has transitioned to that life. Um, and so he has bow hunted birds with me alongside Finn. Uh, and I carry my shotgun he carries his bow and he's been successful. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, he's a heck of a right. scout. He, he is a bird scouter. So, uh, he's fun to hunt with cause he's done the work. Yeah. He knows what it's all about then. Yeah. Does he have a bird dog? He does not. No. Okay. Does he want a bird dog? 
Uh, he wants Finn very bad. Um, <laughs> after a couple of really good hunts behind her, he's like, just let me have her. I'm like, no, hard no. <laughs> Finn lives with me. You can come She's hunt with us. She's a good girl. Yeah, She's she a is. good girl. Cool. Um, okay. So I want to, to end this on, um, having you share something that has been maybe your biggest learning experience. Yeah, for sure. And I know we, uh, we talked about this. So, um, I blew up the end of my shotgun, um, at a duck hunting, um, encounter that I had had. And so, really valuable message and something I try and, uh, really, really push to in a group of new people or, um, just anyone that I'm unsure about hunting with. So my biggest takeaway from that experience, and I'll share the story with you, um, is to really know the level of the hunters that are around you. Um, especially if you are the one in the leadership position of a hunt. So, um, in any sort of hunting, trip or, you know, um, day you, someone has to be in charge of the experience and just ensure that there is, um, that the ability levels are accounted for and that there's no one in an unsafe situation. So, uh, as much as I would like to say, you know, we're all adults and we should be able to have that own voice and really say like, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this or, um, you know, this, this is too much for me when you are in the moment and you're trying to keep up and, um, it just, it doesn't bode well. So, a couple of falls ago, I got invited, um, by a friend of a friend to hunt some ducks at my local wildlife refuge. I'd never done that before. Uh, I've hunted ducks before, but not here and not in the like sort of method that they had invited me to. And so it was brand new for me. Um, and we, and I'm, I'm not a very like, um, stable person on my feet in the mud. And so, uh, we're getting, you know, we're trudging out there to the edge of these toolies to, to set up and we're hunting off of something called swamp stools. And so, uh, this is all new to me and, uh, I get out there and, and although I've shot a duck, this type of duck hunting is not something I am prepared for. And so we get out there, of course, way early in the dark and get set up and we're sort of under, under prepared in the fact that we have two swamp stools and three people, and we're not near a bank. We're out in the middle of the water and the, the people that I'm hunting with are much taller than I am and they set up their swamp stools for them. And so we're like two hours into this hunt and uh, my legs are tired of standing in this mud that is up to my ankles. And so I ask to take a seat and I sit on the stool that is too tall for me. Um, and I, I am uncomfortable, but not once do I ever say something um, because I'm the only girl. And, and not that that influences anything, but like, I don't wanna be whiny. I'm very whiny. Um, I don't want to be whiny on this trip. And so like, I don't say anything, even though I just, I don't feel like this is a good position for me to be in. And, uh, a mallard comes in, swings in from the left side. Uh, I swing my gun after it and I lose my footing in the mud and fall into the, the water as my gun is going off because I'm swinging on this bird. And I pull up the end of my gun and instantly unload it because I know something is wrong. And the entire barrel is just banana peeled apart, uh, mm. full of mud. And in like those seconds, 
I was so incredibly scared because I could have fallen the other way and seriously injured someone or killed them. And so I'm, you know, I'm in this swamp and, uh, not really comfortable with the hunt as it is. And just like feeling like, although I should take responsibility for my own like success that I was not set up well for success in that hunt. Um, and I don't blame anyone. Like those guys are great guys and it was nice of them to invite me, but I think had some forethought been put into like, Hey, have you ever done this before? Like, are you used to this? This is what it's like. Um, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have gone on that hunt, honestly. Um, and when we, so I, I sit in, in the, in the mud, uh, for the rest of the, the time so they can both get their limits and they're good hunters. They're seasoned professional hunters, you know, and, um, I'm just so defeated in that like, a, I've just ruined my dad's gun B like I, I could have been responsible for really hurting someone. Um, and three, like I am new to hunting and now I have this tainted experience. And so we get back to the truck after this like really shitty day. And, uh, one of the hunters is like, you know, if I would have known your level, I wouldn't have taken you on this varsity level hunt. And I'm like, that is a message that I never want to lose track of. Like just because then I spent an entire season trying to recover from that one incident. Mm -hmm. And although like the, again, the responsibility of, of really uh, putting myself in good positions is my own. Like if you are mentoring someone who is newer or less experienced or, you know, uh, just really asking them, like, what is your comfort level and preparing them for what the day is going to be like? Um, I think that like, it really, it's necessary in new hunters because I almost hung it up after that. Like I I did, I sold my waders. I don't know that I will ever duck hunt again. Um, it took me a long time to get back into the uplands and and enjoy that. Um, I spent like two weekends out hunting where I just, like, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be out there. Like the thought of being in a position where I could harm someone else by just being underprepared was too much for me. And it didn't, it didn't allow me to enjoy the hunt anymore. And so that's why I took last season and really did a lot of hunting by myself. You know, if I'm out there by myself, it's just me and my bird dog and I'm confident in my ability to keep her safe and like confident in being able to check my own abilities and staying within them. But like, I, like I've said, I've had some really great mentors who have done a great job of ensuring we were hunting to my level and took that for granted in that hunt um, and just showing up and sort of wanting to be part of the gang and not speaking up. So if you are mentoring new people, uh, if you are hunting with someone you've never hunted with before, um, if you are, you know, just at a very different level, checking that before the hunt is so important to me Mm -hmm. and definitely a message I I would like to speak to other people because I will never enter a hunt that I am not prepared for again. Like that I am not, that I haven't asked all of the questions I need to know before I do it. And that I am not sure that people know that my, like what my physical ability is, what my hunting ability is, um, like what my safety thoughts are because it's just so terrifying. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one bad experience really just, it can be a game changer for someone. And I don't, I don't want to be that person or be responsible, um, for someone not continuing to follow their passion because they had a bad experience. So that's my lessons learned. It was a terrible message that I 
I hoped no one ever else has to experience and um, mentors can be, can be very careful to that. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel comfortable about talking about Finn's mishap this last year? Yeah. So I wasn't there for it. I think uh, there's a good message behind it. So uh, I I can speak to it. So my dog was shot, um, not on a trip that I was at. Um, I, I owned her in a co-agreement until last year uh, when she became mine. Um, and she's a hundred percent yours now. She is not on paper, but in in theory, she is mine. Okay. I'm not letting go of her for the world after that, but, um, she was out on a preserve hunt on a guided hunt. And, uh, I, I don't know the person or much about them, but they let their excitement get the best of them. And they pulled the trigger, um, on a rooster that rose directly in front of her face. And she took, she's 16 pellets still inside of her. Um, but yeah, it's, it's done some damage and been something that I've, it definitely made me, um, more cautious around her last, last year. Like, because I, after finding out about it, um, it, it really like set in that easily potentially I could, could shoot a dog, right? Like it's something that could happen. Um, if you're just not, if you're not paying attention and, and Finn is mm-hmm. relatively steady, like she's not a hundred percent steady, but she is good. Uh, she wasn't moving when she got shot. Like she would, she took a load directly to the face. And so, wow. um, she is, I am lucky that she is alive. I'm very thankful that she was not injured more. And it just definitely, it definitely made me do some thinking. So, um, yeah, like, being, I'm glad it wasn't there because I would probably be in prison, but, um, mm-hmm. it, it would mm-hmm. not, would not bode well. And I'm very careful with who I hunt with. Uh, I'm very careful with outlying my expectations around my dog. Um, and I'm just like, it's just, you know, people are like, well, that would never happen to me like that. It did. It did happen. Um, and you know, I, I am blessed to have a great vet who has helped me along in this journey to make sure that Finn is comfortable and safe. And she is, and she has recovered fine. And she has no like hunting aversion because of that. Thank goodness. Really? Um, yeah. You, you've shot around her since then. Oh yeah. 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 She is, she is ready for her job, but just really scary, um, to live through that. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the one responsible for her that day. And I know that they probably have a different story about it and a different lesson from their point of view, but to, to bring home a dog that is, you know, she has pellets in her ears that I can feel when I pet her. And it's a constant reminder of, of how careful you have to be in the field, um, not only around the dogs, but around other people. And so it's just, it's hunting is fun and it's exciting and there's a lot of adrenaline, but there it's, it comes with a great responsibility to be careful. Mm. Yeah. It's no bird, no bird. Um, shooting bird is ever, um, priority over safety of people or dogs. That's, um, no bird, not a shot because you can't take that back. No. And you know, it's just, it can really ruin something. So Mm -hmm. just, I, I can't imagine what that person, um, what their hunting experience is like now. I have no, I have no connection to that individual. Um, but I, I am sure that they have a story to tell as well as the individual who was responsible for Finn when it happened. And, um, not that, that it was any fault to them at all, but just to have your dog, uh, put in, in that situation incredibly scary for all of us. So, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's doing good. Um, she's headed to the vet next month to have some pellets that are bothering her removed. Um, like I said, I have a great vet who's helping me work through all of that. And she's having a broken, she, um, 16 pellets, one in each ear, uh, one directly in the tip of her nose, two in the top of her mouth, uh, one in a front leg, one in a back leg through two nipples, um, and a broken. Holy cow. And so she got nailed. Yeah, she took it and and it was steel shot. So thank, thank the Lord for that. So we don't have any lead issues. Um, but yeah, she, she took it hard and. So do those migrate in a dog then? Does that migrate? So that is uh, a a concern of my vet. Um, We've done Mm -hmm. some imaging to watch them. Nothing is moving around right now. Um, But we, she's just like, you know, anytime you get a weird like personality change or um, you see any sort of like that she appears to be in pain, let's scan her again and see if anything's in in a different spot. But she is confident that they will settle and capsulate where they are and stay put. So um the ones in the top of her mouth give her the most trouble, I think, because she can feel that they are there. I don't know. She doesn't talk, of course, um, but she does do uh, some weird swallowing things since I have gotten her back and we continue mm. to watch her airway um, to ensure there's no issues there, but there's none even close to her airway. It's just stuck right Jeez. in the roof of her mouth. So they're going to take a look and see if they can get those ones out. Wow. Yeah. Scary things, you know, very scary. Just, it's a big responsibility to pack around a gun and have a good time. Oh gosh. I'm sorry. I didn't want to end this on a bad note. So, um, let's see. I wasn't sure we were going to talk about that. You know, I wasn't expecting to talk about it. It's just when you brought up your experience with, with the, you know, being scared in, in the, in the different, you know, experience levels you're around, it just got me to thinking with, with that. Um, and now here you are doing all the veterinary care for your dog that you didn't even cause this to your dog. The thought of losing her to someone else's mistake really puts into perspective who you trust around your dogs. And so it's just, I mean, I'm going to bring her to grouse camp. And if I get a weird feeling, we're out of there. Like we're, I'm not, I will never like take my voice away in a level of discomfort. If I feel safe, like if I feel unsafe, like I'm just, I'm not willing to do it anymore. Yep. And you shouldn't have to. Nobody should. Absolutely. Yeah. But Finn's a great dog and she is amazing. And I'm glad I get to have her and she's whining. So what what, window to come in? (laughs) What, uh, what breed is next for you? What do you think your next gun, your next bird dog breed will be? Yeah, that's, that's a loaded question. So I have a deposit in on a wire hair for next spring. Do you Um, really? I do. I do. (laughs) I I don't think I will stray away from wire hairs again. Um, I, you know, I do love Bentley for her qualities and I've hunted, um, behind a good short hair, uh, better than Bentley for sure. But, uh, there is something about the connection I have to Ben as like her breed and, and really being exposed to a bunch of wire hairs. Um, they are, they're a different kind of dog and they're one that I really like, um, I am excited to hunt behind some cockers this year and see how that goes, but it's definitely not the world for me. So I will stick with my wire hairs and if I'm ready, get a puppy next spring. But, um, I have, I have committed to, uh, ensuring that I'm ready or pushing the deposit out another year and that I have that deposit in with. It's amazing, um, out in North Dakota. And so, uh, they are willing to work with me on that. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I was supposed to get that puppy this spring and 
man, last year was rough. And I just was like, I'm not ready. And they were like, when you're ready, you holler. That's so. nice. That's great yeah. that you have that so option. It's it's on it's on deck, Courtney. We we are prepared for this. <laughs> Bird dogs for life. And the wire hair. I, you can't go wrong with you really can't. They you just can't. man, they they dig deep into your soul, that's for sure. Yeah, they do. So <laughs> I am blessed awesome. with two great great girls to follow around in the field. And uh it's been it's been an amazing ride so far and I look forward to where else it takes me. You know, it's yeah. it's this great group of people. Um it's this great opportunity to really connect to the outdoors and to watch two animals do what they were meant to do. And it it is awe inspiring, especially when you get to watch a bird get up and you don't take a shot. So <laughs> I've that. been there. Do that. I've been yeah. there. Yep. Purposely yep. watch a bird fly off and just the gratitude you'll get from that. I, I'd be surprised. Cause so my first experience with the sage grouse was the same exact thing. Like it got up and I was like, Whoa, what was that? Cause it's huge. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's this huge, gorgeous bird. And you're like, I'm not sure if I should shoot it or not. I've never seen anything like this. And so I'm just curious since you really described that similar to how I remember it. Um, how many people actually do shoot a sage grouse on their first sighting that first opportunity, because it's such a magnificent dinosaur of a bird that just takes your breath. An incredible experience. Totally is. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you are going to be joining um, me and the rest of the girls at the 10 gun table of winners this weekend we're going to do a recap of the event a a fun little episode so we will we will talk to you again soon but thank you so much amanda for joining me i had a courtney yeah i had a great time with you this last week and getting to know you and i really hope besides grouse camp that um that we get to go on some fun hunts together in the upcoming years of our lives we are, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. So it's been a pleasure to chat with you tonight. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the bird dog babe podcast. If you're a Patreon member, you can watch the live unedited video version of this episode ad free at patreon.com forward slash the bird dog babe and find follow and be inspired by Amanda on her Instagram page at Miss Ponty loves pointers. That's M S Ms. Ponty loves pointers. Be sure to check out the sponsors of this podcast, Purina pro plan, boss shot shells on X hunt, our partner Siren and Dakota 283. This episode was brought to you by the Bird Dog E Academy. Be sure to sign up for the Reliable Retrieve course starting Sunday, April 3rd, before this testing and hunting season at the BirdDogEAcademy.com. And please be sure to support the conservation organizations of the birds that you're chasing after and the public lands in which you hunt.